Hello, and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we talk about happiness, the lessons from science, from ancient wisdom, from pop culture, and our own experiences. This week, we'll talk about the fun of going on an errand date and why it's a good idea to fix anything smelly, moldy, or sticky in your home. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, the next time we are in the same city, we are definitely going on an errand date together. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretch, right now I have to say it's too hot to do any errands at all in L.A. (laughs) Um, When I got into our car yesterday, it was 122. Oh, my gosh. It did quickly go down to 99, but still, sitting in the hot sun, it got up to 122, so... Heat wave. We'll make a to-do list. That will be our errand <laughs> that we do together. Yeah. Uh, and Alyssa, also, we got a really interesting email from our listener, Imogene, uh, in response to the discussion in episode 26 about choosing one word or a short phrase to set a theme for the year. I thought this was really interesting. Yeah. Her theme for the year was more music. So she says, um, I had been thinking for a while about what I did for fun as a child slash teenager and realized it was music and reading through high school especially i played the cello played percussion was in two orchestras a band a choir was in school musicals and formed a string quartet with friends somehow music is something that fell away from my life as i got busy with study work marriage etc my idea for this year was to get more music into my life again here is what i've done so far in practical steps Worked out how to get music onto my phone harder than I expected to be able to listen to music on the bus on the way to and from work. Changed my default radio station in the car and at home to a classical music station. I've been to one concert so far. I've started playing the cello again after an 18-year hiatus. She says, playing the cello has been the most challenging and satisfying fun I've had for a while. I still had my cello, but hadn't played it for ages. It is amazing how much came back to me, even after such a long time. And then she also says, on a side note, that she's discovered playing the cello is her own mindfulness kind of meditation equivalent. So I thought that was great. Yeah, and I mean, there's so much that's interesting about that. But the thing that jumps out to me is that sometimes you're really passionate about something and you're like, this could never fall out of my life. But then it does, you know, and then right. you look back to how you had fun when you were younger and you're like, oh, wait, I could bring that back in. So it's not like you have to rediscover some whole huge new thing. It's been waiting for you. And so she tapped into something that had been in her life for so long. So I thought that was a great way to use a the theme for the year to really boost happiness by connecting to something that had been important to her in the past. Yeah. I wonder if anybody else wants to send updates, by the way, on how they're doing with their theme for the year. Um, I'd love to hear those. Yes, absolutely. And Elizabeth, this week, our try this at home tip is to plan an errand date. Yes, this came up because um, in episode 75, I uh, was talking about how Adam and I went to do a few errands together, and it sort of turned into a nice romantic time when we stopped and had a drink at this really lovely hotel in Beverly Hills. And then it gave us the idea that having an errand date with someone is a great way to sort of be productive and (laughs) spend quality time with a loved one. 
So, you know, the Aaron date was born. Yes. And it's great because if you look at the happiness research, um, it does show that people tend to feel happier when they're doing things with other people. Um, One study showed whether it was exercising, commuting, doing housework, everything is more fun with more people. And that's not just true for extroverts, but maybe surprising to some people, it's true of introverts as well. And what I thought was funny in this this study was that they reported that out of 15 daily activities, the only one where people were happier alone than with other people was praying. Ah. And to me, I'm like, that's not an exception because the idea of praying, you're not you're not talking to yourself, you know? Oh, true. So the errand date is a way to capture the fun of company and, like you say, the fact that you have to do errands. So make it more fun. Yeah, it's like turning something horrible. I mean, you and I always talk about how we hate doing errands and we're always trying to avoid doing (laughs) errands. But if you sort of make it, it's all about reframing, right? So if you reframe it into a date, and that doesn't have to be a date with like, uh, you know, your husband or your boyfriend it could, or girlfriend. It could be with a friend. In fact, I think it's a great way for friends to spend time together. Well, here's the weird thing. When I was in high school, we did errand dates all the time. And I don't know if that was just because we were teenagers who wanted to get out of the house. Right. But it was very common. For, and also we had a car, so you just swing by and pick somebody up. And it'd be like, hey, I got to go to the mall and buy some shampoo. You want to come with me? And somebody would be like, yeah, I come with you. And it, then it was just... Like, you just did your errands, and and it was fun. Yeah, and what I would say about the errand date is that, you know, yes, you can just say, oh, we're just going to do errands, and, like, you go to the gas station, the dry cleaner, the paint (laughs) store. But I do think if you add in a little something fun the way Adam and I did, that's what sort of elevates it into a real – um, you know, kind of memorable day. So, like, we stopped at that hotel, but you could go to um, a cafe, you know, and get coffee. You could go to lunch. You could stop even at, like, some little museum that you've never been to that's in the neighborhood. I mean, just something so that it's not, like, the only thing you're doing is boring errands. Yeah, the errand date, it has to be like, and then we'll stop by the farmer's market, and then we'll go by that bookstore we love. And so there's something about it that makes it, that elevates it it from just the sheer productivity of it. Yeah. But also I think that you could have a chore date, Mm. which is, um, you know, like you go to a friend's house and like I love to help people clean their closets. And it's like, oh, well, we'll we'll do this chore date together. And then afterwards we'll go out and go to a movie or afterwards we'll go out and have a nice meal. Not as a reward, but just like, oh, it's going to be this whole fun day. And this is part of it. And this other thing is part of it, too. Yeah, I mean, you always hear about people have paint, having uh, painting parties, right? Oh, I've never heard of that. What's that? It's just like if you want to paint your apartment, say you have all your friends over and you get, I mean, this is in your early 20s, I think a big thing, like get pizza and <laughs> beer and yeah. everybody paints. I don't think it's the greatest paint job in the world. Um, having myself been, you know, one of the painters at paint parties, but it's a way to get your apartment painted and all it costs you is a couple of pizzas. So I do think this notion has been around for a while, but, um, I think we should all like just try it and, and see if we can be both productive and feel like we're having more quality time with the people we love. 
Well, because we had this, we had an errand date accidentally. It wasn't purposeful, and I think it would have been worked better if we'd even been purposeful about it. Because um, Jamie and I had to take Eliza to get her passport renewed, and we both had to go because otherwise you have to have like a notarized thing mm. from the parent who's absent, and blah blah blah. So it's just I was like, just come with us; it'll be easier. Yes, and and yes. and it, we went to the wrong place. So then we ended up having lunch at this hamburger store, and Jamie and Eliza were just ecstatic. It's like the best hamburger they ever had, and like this weird part of Kansas City I'd never been to because we ended up there by accident and so it turned into this whole family errand date <laughs> but accidentally but we could have taken that same that same errand and been like hey let's build this into a fun afternoon and kind of plan a little adventure around it instead of being like oh this is the thing that we have to go out of our way and do have it be like oh it's part of this whole little trip that we're going to take yeah so let us know if you go on an errand date or a chore date uh, and how it goes. You can reach us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or leave us a voicemail at 77-HAPPY-336. Or go to HappierCast.com slash 77 for the show notes for this show. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers. So you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretch, you know, I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash happier. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. Okay, Elizabeth, now for a happiness hack. And this one comes from our listener, Aaron, who in response to our Try This at Home in episode 72, when we talked about the value of having room of one's own, uh, she has a great hack for keeping things orderly and also respecting other people's space. Aaron writes, in college with four roommates, it was always challenging to keep common spaces somewhat tidy because everyone had different ideas of cleanliness. I think this is a very common problem. <laughs> yes, I can speak for my own self, and it was a huge problem, and I was the worst offender, <laughs> uh, as anyone will tell you. We started a system where everyone had a bin near our front door. This way, if someone was cleaning up, items could easily be put into the other person's bin. We also had a fifth mystery bin for when we didn't know which roommate the item belonged to. It definitely helped keep all of us a bit more sane. Um, Gretch, I think the fifth mystery bin is the key here. <laughs> that makes this, that puts this over the top. Yeah, no, I think this is a great way because it's like you don't have to actually put something away. You just have to put it in their bin. And I just think it would it would allow it's just a quick, easy way to keep things much more orderly if the disorder is making you crazy. And yet you're not running around like picking up after everybody. So thank you, Aaron. I think that's a great happiness hack. OK, Gretch, let's talk about a happiness stumbling block. Yes. Now, this is something I've been thinking a lot about because I'm, I'm writing that little summer book, Outer Order, Inner Calm. 
And I think a big stumbling block for people at home is when you have those nasty bits in your house, you know, like the little areas where something's sticky or moldy or covered with crumbs or it's like, you know, the oily toolbox, the soap on the laundry room floor, just like all that gross parts. Yeah, it's like the kind of places where you just try to avert your eyes when you walk by and (laughs) pretend it doesn't exist. Um, and yet it nags at you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, it's a bad feeling when you're like, you know, I will do everything within my power not to open up the cabinet underneath the kitchen sink. Like for me, that is the thing. Mm. I have this weird, crazy aversion to the areas under sinks, whether in a bathroom or a kitchen. And I've learned like, I should really try to keep that pristine because it's such a relief to me when I, when, Mm. cause eventually you do have to go in there and then you're like, Oh, it's okay. It's not. It's not gross and slimy and and smelly. Um, it's okay in there. It makes me feel a lot better. Well, I have to say, Gretchen, I can only tell you this because I know Adam isn't going to listen. Hopefully, to this episode, <laughs> uh, we had before we started our renovation. You know, one of the things we redid uh, or are redoing is our master bathroom, uh-huh. and I don't know what was going on in there. But we had like. <laughs> Mold, I guess it was mold or something like bubbling out of the wall. It was so gross. I can't even, it was like, it was like my whole body had chills every time I passed it. And it was like right next to the shower. So, I mean, this was every day, several times a day. And I would just pretend it wasn't there. Um, I would just so, you know, studiously not look at it. Yeah, And then one day I saw that Adam had, thank God, like scraped it off and gotten rid of it. So it still didn't look great, but it wasn't like this living thing. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I'm happy to report that it is now gone because we demoed our entire bathroom. And I'm just (laughs) so thrilled that I'll never see that again. But so I hear what you're saying. It really was a source of, of unhappiness to have that just gross thing in our house. Yeah. And, you know, this is, you know, because we had the whole debate about whether whether I should get a dog. And I debated yes. and debated about getting a dog. And I really do have, I'm so obsessed with the power of smell. And one thing about if you love smell, you also hate smell. And I'm very sensitive to bad smells. And I, re, and I was afraid yeah. that it would just be the source of nasty smells. Like, was he going to smell bad? Was the food going to smell bad? Was, you know, was, it, was our house going to smell dirty? Um, that was one thing that really worried me. And I think, you know, people, you do get masses of dog hair or your aquarium water is smelly or your carpet smells, you know, it's, I think pets, you have to pay a lot of attention to your pets and make sure they aren't a source, you know, innocent though they are, um, a source of, of like nastiness in the house. And so have you managed to keep Barnaby from smelling up the place yes we have i think i think we have um and we we pay a lot of attention to it actually and you know this is elizabeth in in terms of happiness stumbling blocks in life this is a pretty minor thing like you know right but i feel like it's disproportionate like the way you describe you see this thing every day and it's in your house it's close to you and it's just if you fix it you're going to get a disproportionate boost yeah, I think you're right. Like it, it, um, it makes it's your thing of it, outer order, inner calm. It just makes you feel in control to ha- not to have these yeah. 
sort of bad places. Um, <laughs> um, there have to be horror movies that, you know, have been inspired by <laughs> by a moldy shower curtain, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> yes, they're like, when the dark place under the sink comes alive. Uh, yes. Yeah, I will, I'll never watch that. So, yeah. Uh, Don't even get me started, by the way, on our bathrooms in college Ooh. oh my god where there were like <laughs> layers of newspaper that were wet it was truly like a swamp i not my i have to say this wasn't my sweep this is my friend's sweep but it was um it was as if they were setting out to have the most disgusting bathroom on campus and succeeded <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, deal with it, and you will feel so much happier. That is that is the lesson there. I feel inspired to go home and like uh, uh, check underneath search my, for yeah, search, scum, search for scum, nastiness, stickiness, crumbs, jars of honey, uh, half opened, all that stuff. Oh yeah, the sticky jar of honey that that's a perennial. Listen, this week the listener question also touches on sort of a home possessions-related issue um, about happiness, um, about uh, sentimental value of, of things. This week's question comes from Elena in Austin, Texas. She says, I place a lot of sentimental value on material things that are, simply put, just things. Well, I don't have any hoarder tendencies. In fact, I love cleaning out closets and drawers and getting rid of all the stuff that piles up. This can make it hard to get rid of certain items when I really should just let go. Oftentimes, this means holding on to things for longer than I should, such as a pair of shoes that I bought for an important time in my life but haven't worn in years. I also sometimes do this with things like greeting cards, concert tickets, travel souvenirs, knickknacks from my childhood, etc., a good example of this can be seen with my car. At 31 years old, I've had the same car since I was 16. After 15 years, I am finally getting a new car. While I am excited for the upgrade, I am having a hard time letting go of the car I've had for so long. It has treated me so well and has been a big part of my life growing into adulthood. I feel almost a sense of responsibility to my car and feel like I should keep it until it finally dies. Do you have any suggestions for letting go and not placing so much sentimental value on material things? Well, I think this is a big question, right? I think people people talk about this all the time. But but first of all, I would say to Elena, you know, I think it's appropriate and part of a happy life to have objects have sentimental value because a, a thing can sort of cause us to remember the people and places and activities that we love. So I don't think I'm not a big I, I, I myself am not a big believer in this idea that you should just get rid of everything and that's going to make you happier. I think there's places for keeping things for sentimental reasons. But I think you want to keep things that are small and manageable. So like mm -hmm. a concert ticket is one thing. A car. <laughs> right. That's a whole other. <laughs> right. That's yeah. a big commitment. <laughs> you know, um, you know, it's like, oh, here's a playbill or here's my grandfather's roll top desk, you know. Right. Um, so one thing that a lot of people do, and I just did this myself, is to take a picture of it. Like take an amazing picture of your car and like put it in a frame or put it in a in a scrapbook or you know so that you remember it so that you feel like oh i, I i'm never going to forget this car but i don't have to keep the actual car yeah and i also think it helps like with the car i was talking about this recently on the podcast if maybe she's selling it in which case then maybe you can think well someone's going to have it who could use it or if you give it 
away to a charity organization. It's like, you know, it's being used. So it's value, you know, you're, you're continuing the value of the car as opposed to just, you know, having it in your garage or something. Yeah. But also when you're, when you're thinking about things that have sentimental value, I think they work much better when they're highly curated. And so if you have a whole bunch of stuff, it's like, pick the things that are really iconic, pick the things that are really, truly full of meaning. Cause sometimes you're just like, well, oh, I'm just going to hang on to every concert ticket I have or every souvenir I got on this trip. But it's like, if you have 15 t-shirts from college, you can pick like the one most meaningful t-shirt and get rid of the other ones. And so by carefully choosing them, I think you can, you can limit it, the, the, the mass of it to one thing that's really meaningful. Cause one really meaningful thing that you highlight and engage with is more valuable than a giant box full of stuff that you never look at because who can be bothered to get the box out of the basement type thing. Yeah. What I try to tell myself, because I do the exact same thing. I could have written this email. I mean, I exactly, <laughs> I, I yes. like animate objects in my mind is I try to remind myself that I'm just like keeping this stuff for my child to someday throw away when I die. Like, <laughs> I'm never going to look at it again, and it's not going to be seen until I'm dead, basically, and somebody has to go through my belongings, you know, realistically. Um, that's where all this stuff goes, right? Yeah. But it's hard because, like, I have, for instance, my shoes from my rehearsal dinner, yeah. which were too small when I wore them at my rehearsal dinner and are still too small. I know I'm never going to wear them again, but I just cannot give them away. But see, I feel like there's room for some things like that. Just because something is never used does not mean that it's useless. And it is holds a right. really important memory. Didn't Adam pick out those shoes for you? Like, it was a whole... No, I, that was, was a different pair of shoes, which I also <laughs> have. The, I know exactly the ones you're talking about. Uh, yes, in episode 10, I think we, we went through the shoe, the, your shoe, your shoe memories. Yeah. Um, but th but they actually do hold, hold memories for you. And so I, I think it's just a matter of like get, get whittling it down to a manageable amount where you really, truly see the things and it does bring back memories. Because a lot of times it's like there's a box of stuff. You never look at it. You don't even remember that you have it. So it's not it isn't reactivating important memories. Uh, it's just something that you couldn't get rid of. And so you've just you've kept it hanging around. But I wrote this post recently about, like, seven reasons I disagree with Marie Kondo, who wrote uh, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And um, I really love her stuff. So I, these are why I disagree with her, but I was fascinated by her book and t learned a lot from it. And one of the things I learned from it, I assume you have not read this book, Elizabeth. I have not. <laughs> yes. Shockingly, I was not drawn to that title. It's not your kind of <laughs> Well, I read it for you, for your benefits, so I'll come over and clean your closet. So Thank you. One of the things that Marie Kondo said, and it sounds a little funny, but I think it really works, and I think it could work really well for Elena, is she says to thank your things and to really have a moment when you say thank you. And so, and she said, she has this cute anecdote that she tells about saying thank you to her old phone. She sent a text to her phone saying, thanks for everything, heart emoji, and then the phone died. Oh, my gosh. And she's like, it's like the phone was like, well, it's been nice working with you. And then the phone never worked again. Mm. And I think maybe as weird as 
the sounds. If Elena would sit, just like go put her hand on her car and be like, hey, friend, we, we've been through so much together. You did an amazing job for me. But now you're going to like go and be a car for somebody else. Like it's weird how that is very freeing. And Marie Kondo has an example of like when you get a gift that you don't want, you can say to the thing, you know, you gave me so much joy like being the symbol of how somebody wanted to give something to me. And I really enjoyed the excitement of opening you up. But I don't really have a way to use you. So you're going to go be useful to somebody else. But she said like mm. this, this, this thankfulness kind of relieves people's feelings of not being able to let go. And I think it sounds kind of uncanny, but I think it is helpful, mm-hmm. strangely. And a lot of people have reported that this thanking your stuff I try that. really does help them. So I throw that out to Elena. I think that might be good. <laughs> Or you can wait for your car door to fall off, which is what happened to you. <laughs> yes. Well, it's, I'm sure Elena's question is one that that is a big one for everybody. So um, she raises a question that I think that is is really prevalent. Definitely. Okay, it's time for demerits and gold stars. And Elizabeth, what is this Eleanor-related demerit you speak of? Well, Gretch, as you know, Eleanor has been at camp. Yeah. For she was there for uh, almost a month, and. When she went to camp, I was like, oh, are we allowed to send packages? I wanted to send her a package, partly because when I went to camp, I don't know if you remember, you sent me great care packages Mm. where you would like, you would hide candy inside a stuffed (laughs) animal. Yes. And you cut out the inside of like an old book and put candy in there and then, you know, because we weren't supposed to get candy in the mail. And it was just so exciting. Oh, my gosh. I still remember it like so vividly. So I was like, oh, I'll send Eleanor a package. That'll be awesome. Well, you know, a month later, I'm sad to report I not only didn't send Eleanor a package, I didn't even email her. You're allowed to email the camp. How much easier could it be? Um, so I just totally failed as an aunt. Well, it's the thing is the time passes so quickly because you're like a month. Oh I'm going to have gosh. so – oh, I've got four weekends. Like, oh, I'll find some cute thing and stick it in the mail. Um, I think this is just a good example of how, like, with stuff like that, you really have to put it in your calendar because yes, things that can be done at any time are often done at no time. And it just, it flips through your mind a few times and you never think of it. And then it's over. We've all been in there. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So next summer, if she goes to camp, yeah, I need to put that on my calendar and, and like, do it right away, you know, Yeah. yeah. Um, as soon as she goes, rather than just being like, oh, I'll do it in a couple of weeks. Yeah. 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 Not good. So apologies to Eleanor on that front. <laughs> um, now, Gretch, how about a gold star? What's your gold star this week? Well, this gold star is like right in line with Elena's question about sentimental value and how to get rid of things. Because we had this play kitchen, like this big play kitchen, which my girls both played with for years. And it's the prettiest kind of play kitchen I've ever seen. I loved it. Plus, we had all this like fake food and it was this whole thing. But um, I finally realized it made me broke my heart. It's the end of an era, but it's time to get rid of the play kitchen. And then, of course, I was frantic to get it out of my house because it's so big. I was like, OK, we got it. And I, I found somebody, um, somebody who works with Jamie, who's a good friend and a great colleague who has just has a new baby and a three year old and a six year old. So she's like in the zone of the play kitchen. Mm. And the other day she came and got the play kitchen and Aww. she emailed me like to say thank you. And she said, they played with it until they went to bed last night and have been back at it since they woke up at 6am. I didn't realize they were so deprived of kitchen play. 
And I wrote back, it makes me so happy to know that they will have many years of fun with it. It broke my heart to let it go, but this is very comforting. And it did, like, to this point of, like, Elena, the sentimental value, I took a picture of it. So I have a picture of the play kitchen. And Mm. it's like Mm -hmm. knowing that these other little kids will really enjoy it. And for us, it was just like sitting on the sidelines and gathering dust. It really helped me to say thank you to the play kitchen. We had so many years of fun with you. And now you're going to go and live with another family who will love you just as much as we did. So it was it was. And now we've got a whole bunch of room (laughs) that we didn't have before. Yeah, it's bittersweet. Yeah. I guess it helps to remember, like, the air is over whether or not you get rid of the kitchen, you know? I mean, just keeping the kitchen doesn't mean they're still little. They're not. Yes. Um, that is a very, very good point. Yes. So good for you, and I'm um, <laughs> glad that it has a home where it's going to be appreciated. Yes. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Go on an errand date with your sweetheart or a friend. Let us know what your errand date was and if it made you happier. And listeners, remember, we are going to do a very special episode, episode 80, about the Gary Chapman book about the five love languages. So please send us your experiences, your observations, your insights to podcast at GretchenRubin.com or at 774-277-9336. We're very excited to hear about your experiences with the five love languages. And we've loved getting everybody's wedding readings. So please keep those coming because we're going to talk about them in an upcoming episode. Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. As always, if you like the show, it really helps us if you tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes and rate and review us. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Upward.